You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Mr. Ken Miller. Ken, how are you today? Awesome. Wendy, how are you? Oh, just living a dream. No place I'd rather be. Of course. Of course. (laughs) Well, today's episode is actually a little bit different. And when I when I say that, it was one of those things that, you know, I, I get intrigued and love to look at different things. I love to learn about a lot of different things. And I previously, like just a couple of days ago, went to the NASM.org page, our NASM homepage. And I was reading up on some of these blogs that that our you know fellow colleagues have written. A lot of um, our advisory board members have have written master trainers. Anyway, a lot of different authors. And there was one that stuck out that I was like, oh my goodness, I never knew that. And I found it absolutely fascinating. And it was really kind of around the topic of science of sleep without it being so far above my head. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like. Now I understand. And there was this quiz that you could take. It's actually a questionnaire, not really a quiz, that you could take to learn more about your own self and when you can perform at your highest level and when you should go to bed and why you're this tired when you do stuff. Because I don't know about you, Ken. Personally, back in the day in college, I could Uh stay up all night. I could go out. I could have a good time. I could just take a power nap and then go to work like I slept, you know, seven to 10 hours. I was productive. I do that now. And I'm a hurting unit for a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, times are definitely different. Um, and it's funny you mentioned that because um, right out of college, um, 21 years old, I moved to Vegas. And uh, ironically enough, I applied at the local gym and they didn't hire me, even with my, my background in exercise science. But what I wound up doing uh, to feed into your story is that I wound up working five different jobs um, when I was out there, which meant I was working AM, I was working PM, I was working early, I was working late. So sleep at 21 was a non-factor, non-factor. Plus there was social, right? right? I was I was living in Las Vegas for goodness sake, right? So even I'm in Arizona State. <laughs> and uh, you know what? That is a very, uh, you know, I think that's kind of like, right yeah. there um, i actually went to class though too and i worked <laughs> and you worked yeah yeah same here so so sleep i mean it was one of those things i'd go out till two in the morning but then i'd have a 5 a.m mm-hmm. uh shift at the uh, nevada test site right so it'd be it and then i'd go from 5 to 5 p.m and then i i teach i actually taught at the massage school that i attended a 6 to 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. class. So here I am. I'm taking little naps here and there. But sleep was it was like pff, eight hours. Who's got eight hours? Who has That's... that much time? You're going to sleep. I used to say this. I'll yeah. sleep when I'm dead. I'm sleep when I'm dead. And you know what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to take all of that back because I should have yeah. slept more, especially yeah. because I had yeah. more time then. No, not so much. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I hear you. Well, you know, and it brings us to the blog that I was talking about, and it was actually by um, the author's name is Dr. Allison Breger. She is a um, subject matter expert in behavior genetics, sleep, and biological rhythms and research. That's her primary research. And she's passionate about discovering different factors that are going to promote 
how we sleep and why we sleep like we do and our patterns in different types of environments. And I mean, she's an author and she's actually one of our advisory board members. And so when I was reading it, I, again, I learned so much and she talks about something that are called, um, what are they called? Chronotypes. And that's uh -huh. actually basically your biological schedule and your, your clock. And, you know, we're, we're all born with this. And, you know, like babies, they're like clockwork. You get someone on a routine and you take naps at certain times of the day. You go to bed at a certain time mm -hmm. of, of evening. You can guarantee that, yeah. you know, at anywhere between 637 or 640 and mm, 655, my kid's like, good morning, mommy. Good morning. And it never yeah. fails. Never right. fails. And so, you know, she talks a lot about, you know, a predetermined sleep-wake schedule that's programmed by our genetic blueprint. And so when I was learning more about this molecular clock and how, you know, we all we all tick at certain speeds that, you know, our genetic drivers is what's going to dictate how our body responds to the time of day. What is most appropriate for me, Ken, and what time I go to bed might be completely different than you. And that's what I found so fascinating is, you know, not only does she provide, you know, five ways to use these types of chronotypes to our advantage of how we can be more productive during the day and when we actually perform at our best, not only with our workouts, but just in life uh -huh. and in meetings and everything, knowing a lot more about yourself. I know when you and I discussed, we're pretty similar um, but right. you know, again, look at our jobs. We have to be up early and then we have right. children. So it's kind of like, it totally made sense to me. And I, I thank her for writing that article. And if you guys have a chance to visit NASM.org and look at our blogs, there's some phenomenal information on there. And, um, and those of you guys that are just joining myself, Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, we're talking about science of sleep and an article and actually a blog article that was written by Dr. Allison Bragger talking about different sleep patterns. And, and again, I want you to check it out because we're going to discuss what she talks about, but you know, I think getting, um, going and taking that questionnaire, it's like something that I, uh, I just found fascinating. Well, I, I can't remember which, you know, because I started going down a rabbit hole. Of course <laughs> I took the survey just like you did. And I scored, I took it twice because I liked it when I do surveys and it's kind of talking about you. Um, sometimes I can put myself in a certain frame of mind when I answer questions. So I, I'll, I'll take certain surveys twice and see where, I, you know, how close I get on both results. And, and both times I took the test, um, wound up being pretty close saying that I was really, uh, my score was 66 on the first 70 on the second. And what that score is referring to is like where your bias is, as far as, um, the type of person you are, which puts me, as you said, Wendy, more of a definite, moderate morning person. Because mm -hmm. if I didn't turn on my alarm, as one of the questions would ask is, you know, what time frame would you wake up in the morning? And usually if it's between 5.30 and um, 8 a.m., that's usually when I'm up rocking and rolling um, with, if it were up to my own devices. Um, but one of the interesting things that I read, um, kind of clicking through and reading some of the articles, is like when you when you think about mammals, right? Just as we have our own clocks, our own chronotypes, and when we prefer to wake up and go to bed, animals have the same thing. And one of the things that they showed was, uh, I think they brought up the example of a squirrel. So when they disrupted yeah. this, did you read that too? Yeah. Uh, the 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 squirrels sleep, that meant that they were more active 
at night, which meant they were moving around when all the predators were out. So mm -hmm. there is a survival function to it all when you when you look at the animal kingdom as far as when is the most optimal time to say. Obviously, we're not you know, looking over our sh shoulders, um, seeing if something's going to swoop down, pick us up and take us to their nest uh, to, to be fed on. But, you know, in, in the animal kingdom, I mean, when you function and when you're active and and how you find food and forage for food and take care of your of your uh, little ones, you know, that's going to be, you know, reflective of, OK, when's when's the most opportune time for me to do all this without getting hunted down myself? So <laughs> I, I, I saw. But if we, when you look, OK, when are you at your best is how I took it. So mm -hmm. to where how I'm going to get the yeah. most done. And I think, you know, that was one of the, the key points she was making. I mean, for us, it's not a survival life or death that, you know, that we need to do, like you said, the squirrel example. I mean, she actually discussed that in the in the blog. And, you know, I think basically when you're when you're looking at that, I mean, yes, you've got to think that's how predators know to wake up and go and hunt for food and do all the stuff that they need to do. And then obviously, if you're you're the one that's being hunted, you need to be smart in, in when you sleep, where you sleep and all that stuff. But for us, I mean, I think the, the key point here is we need to understand some people, as soon as dusk starts to hit, and I am this person, and I can talk to you a little bit about my questionnaire results, but, you know, then certain melatonin starts to happen naturally in my body at a certain time of evening. And that's what I found fascinating because I do notice that it's at almost to what kind of this was saying, I start to really get tired. I'm not as productive. So I know that if I have to schedule a very important meeting or I have a very important call or something along those lines, that time of night is not going to be the most ideal. However, however, right. it is saying that, you know, my peak peak time in the morning, you know, is, is basically at 845 is, um, is like when my, when my evening, my melatonin onset happens. So 8.45, y'all, don't contact me. But then it's also saying that my best bedtime should be around 11 p.m. I try to go to bed between 10.30 and 11 personally. And that, you know, with this information, it helps me, okay, you know what, based on my results and how I'm scoring myself, if I can plan my evening to be done mentally where it's important around 8.45, but make sure I'm in bed by 11, then I should be able to get up in the morning by 5.45 and be ready to go. Unfortunately, I get up a little bit earlier than that. However, if I'm looking at what my questionnaire says, that should be my most ideal time. And so I just, like I said, I don't, I know our results were pretty much, you know, the same. And when we're talking about it, there's this questionnaire and it says it takes about 20 minutes. It doesn't, but you know, it's asking all about you. Can you wake up with an alarm? If so, what time is your, your peak time? I couldn't really honestly answer that because I wake up with an alarm every single day every day or my kid is in my face. So I really so don't you, know you, what you time never, I would wake up. You never you never wake up before your alarm? Uh no. No. I, I do more more because often I than schedule I schedule my day has to start like I mean I need to be in the car by sometimes five thirty in the morning. And if yeah. I want to actually you know get up and shower and look like a girl, I gotta get up before then, you know? Yeah. So you never beat your alarm on the before I agree. No. Sometimes but my that, score, I mean, my yeah. personal score was a 63. And okay. so the, this this um, questionnaire was anywhere, it ranked anywhere between 16 and 86. And so like from 16 to 30, that means you're a definite evening person. 
those people that love to stay up late, mm -hmm. they are, they're very yeah. um, productive at night. That is not me. And then 31 through 41 is moderate evening. Again, I don't know what they're considering moderate evening, but that apparently was not me. And then there's intermediate, which is 42 to 58. Still not me. 59 to 69, moderate morning. That was me. Um, yeah. Again, around, you know, 845 to 9, I'm ready to go. I feel rejuvenated. I feel like I can take on a lot at that time of day. And then you can, I think you said you were definite morning, which was yeah. 70 to 86. And so yeah. those of you guys that are joining Ken Miller and I today on Random Fit, we're talking about science um, or the, the science of sleep. And we came across a blog that we found fascinating talking about different um, chronotypes. And the article was written by Dr. Allison Breger, who is actually one of NASM's um, advisory board members, as well as, you know, uh, she's she's got her PhD in psychology and she studies all of this type of, you know, behavioral genetics and sleep and biological rhythms. And so we were talking about the questionnaire that she highly recommends on this. And we were talking about our scores. And like I said, I, I just... I love this kind of stuff to learn more about myself, especially when I don't have to pay for it. <laughs> well, I like free. <laughs> you know, here's an interesting thing, kind of to tie into a podcast that we recorded before when we talked about intermittent fasting, right? Which wasn't too long ago with uh, registered dietitian um, Kat Bearfield. And we were talking about the timing of when you stopped eating at night and when you, was it how many hours in between? Um, I think you can yeah. only eat in eight hours. So it doesn't yeah, matter. What the, you, yeah. So you have the other 16 hours of not eating, right? So when you stop and then when you start, you know, you have your 16 hours in between, um, you know, whenever that might be. But, you know, the funny thing is when I started thinking about this, okay, well, if I know that my day of, of operating optimally for me winds up being earlier in the morning, then I thought, well, if I'm going to, adjust myself so I'm going to sleep when my body wants to sleep naturally, then if I'm going to put together a, a nutrition plan on top of that, I, know, I might be going a little bit off tangent here, but now I start to think about, okay, well, if my melatonin starts to kick in at like what you're saying, Wendy, around the eight o'clock hour, again, cortisol drops, melatonin starts to kick up. Um, that's the signal for the body to start to go night, night, right? So if I'm going to kind of now look at my my the other parts of my routine so there's my eating there's when i shut down my computer so when you're talking about okay getting ready for bed one of the things i'm trying to do this year uh more than anything else is trying to just unwind um turn off the computer get off my get off my phone for both recreation and work um you know at least three hours before bedtime so if i'm trying to commit to what my chronotype is telling me that I am. So if I'm going to bed by eight o'clock, so if I'm going to get my good eight, nine hours of sleep, if I'm in bed by eight o'clock, then that means there's nothing happening after five o'clock, right? So there's no work after five. So as soon as work is done, it's just, you know, whatever's in front of my face, real time with my family, eating dinner might have to be a little bit earlier. Um, now that I'm looking at the results, actually, and trying to put it together with my whole lifestyle, um, then everything is shifted. Like, it's still daylight when I'm done with dinner, you know, is, is basically what I'm thinking. So if I'm, if I'm trying to protect my sleep 
for what my body wants to do with the sleep schedule, then that's really going to affect when I turn off my computer, my phone, no movies late at night, right? All that blue light, which again, when you when you read through the blog articles, now you're talking about blue light exposure and now manipulating, you know, whether or not you, if you need to stay up, how to stay up, or if you need to wake up, how to wake up by by manipulating exposure to uh, to blue light too. So I think all of that goes into again how you're managing your or managing protecting your sleep if you know what your sleep pattern is optimal for you guys. Yeah, and I think it's important to, to talk about. You know, she does talk about the five different um, ways to use your chronotype to your advantage. And you had kind of mentioned all of them together, actually. But, you know, mm-hmm. number one, she said, you know, plan your peak training and your sessions and everything around your chronotype. And so, again, if I know that I am most productive and I can perform at my highest level, you know, mid-morning, then mm-hmm. that's when I should really sit down and schedule that time. And I know that when I do work out and, and if I can actually put that into my schedule without any interruptions or without having to drop it down, I do feel better and I get a better workout. Mm -hmm. I feel like I recover better um, because I'm not a good person to work out before you go to sleep, you know? And so, you know, they say that performance is supported by our biology, particularly for rhythms of cortisol and your norepinephrine. So, you know, when you're thinking about that and you're piecing it all together, it actually makes sense. And so, again, I think, you know, going through and looking at some of this stuff and, you know, I know we'll kind of re we go through all of it at the end, but when you're, you know, think number one, that's what she says, find out what time is at your peak and then schedule like your, like the things that take the highest performance at that time for, for a better results. Right. And you know, what's really funny is that um, I just had the discussion right before we talked about this as a topic, Wendy, I just had a talk with my daughter um, because it's nine o'clock at night and she's still doing her homework. But when she's doing her homework, she just looks like this. Her eyes are open, but she's just, her hands are doing a lot of stuff, but there's nothing that's getting put down. And I told her, you know, and this is just watching her do homework. She, she's just like me, right? She'll wake up in the morning. She doesn't need the alarm. So she's kind of got my pattern. So I told her, I go, after, after seven o'clock, you can't do homework. I'd rather you go to sleep now. And then wake up early and then do your homework in the morning, right? She was she was like, you know, again, like a lot of us, procrastinated, waited to the last minute to get this project done. And she's just trying to do things, but she's just moving things around and not really making it better. So I told her that. And then now that, you know, we're talking about this, this point of, you know, scheduling your day to do your best work that complements your chronotype, you know, unknowingly i was giving her that same advice you know you gotta work when you're most productive versus trying to get the same amount of work done but drawing it out over two hours if you can get it done in 15 minutes at a time when you can do it in 15 minutes versus at a time when you're least efficient and you're now drawing it out four or five times longer and that's not a good use of anybody's time agreed 
<laughs> and then it brings to the second point, and you kind of already kind of uh, touched on this about you know eating, you know, eating your schedule. Mm -hmm. Your your eating schedule should be around your chronotype because she really focused and talked a little bit about mistimed meals. And if you mm -hmm. don't time it right, you can actually gain more weight, and you're going to yep. actually, you know, um, you you may not be able to build the lean muscle mass that you're hoping to because your body is is just not that's just not the time for you to eat based on, you know, when you're productive, when you wake up and your whole sleep cycle. Now, again, we know that you don't want to eat before bedtime because of the spike in, you mm -hmm. know, blood glucose levels yeah. and stuff that, that is not going to help you when you're thinking about restorative street sleep, bleh, sleep in general. However, you know, it, it totally makes sense. And like you said, no matter what type of diet or, you know, or nutritional routine you have, I think it's important to know that because, you know, kind of schedule backwards. When are you going to wake up? When are you going to go to bed? And when is your eating times? And how do you feel accordingly? Because if you see that big drop, something's not right. Yeah. And I was just talking to a client about his um, his eating patterns to begin with. Well, more specifically about alcohol consumption, because it'd be one of those, they, you know, him and his wife would have a little nightcap, you know, before going to bed, uh, you know, after the kids after the kids are down, you know, to go to sleep, then they have a little, you know, a glass of wine or something and they catch up with each other, but then they'll, they're soon to go to bed because they, their kids wake up early. Right. So just talking about, Hey, have, if, is there a way you can get that glass of wine earlier or have dinner a little bit earlier so that it doesn't impact your sleep as much? Because one of the things he talks about is waking up in the middle of the night. Right. And so once we start to manipulate, even by even half hour, 45 minutes, his food and alcohol consumption or whatever he's consuming later at night, that has meant a, a huge difference in his quality of sleep. Right. So that's 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 I've seen examples of that really being beneficial towards, you know, how somebody wakes up in the morning. So that's that's a that's a really big point. I agree. And uh, so then, you know, so we talked about, you know, obviously planning your, your training sessions. You also want to think about planning your nutrition. And then I think it's important also to remember number three, that she talks about planning your sleep cycle or your sleep time um, and schedule that accordingly. Because if you know the bedtime routine and you actually have a set routine, your body starts to adjust to that routine. And then when you kind of, you know, um, take yourself out of that routine, it's not good for anyone. And it's the same thing with our kids. You know, we put our kids like your bedtime is strictly at this time uh -huh. and we hold them accountable. However, we start to not hold ourselves accountable. And I think at the end of the day, that is, uh, you know, attributing to a lot of our health issues because, you know, you want to be able to get, you know, seven to eight hours of restorative sleep. You want to be able to make sure that, that that's what's happening. However, you know, try to think if I'm going to go to bed, which it says here, make sure you're in bed by 11 o'clock, then I need to think 90 minutes ahead and start my bedtime regimen and routine. So at 11 o'clock, I'm asleep. And I think that was right. a very key point that she was indicating that, you know what, think about your performance, think about your nutrition and now set your routine because that is going to play a huge role in, in how you feel the next day. Yep. Gigantic. I mean, yeah, it's all about, it's all about routine. Just like you brush your teeth, take a shower and all that good stuff. You just you got to have something that gets your brain kind of thinking, Oh, okay. It's that time again. Right. So again, uh, you're listening to us here on random fit. 
Wendy Batts and I talk about sleep science and we're talking more specifically about chronotypes. So I think the next one, I think, because you have kids and I have kids, Wendy, is, is the weekend. My, my kids have gotten, you know, unfortunately accustomed to, well, and it's just natural, right? Friday comes along. My kids are thinking, oh, I get to stay up late and I get to sleep in in the morning. Well, guess guess what there is to pay on Monday morning when, when it's time to wake them up for school, right? They've been sleeping later, waking up two hours after the time we're supposed to be in the car, right? Because my son, he can just sleep in until, you know, 9, 10 o'clock if it, if it, if it's depending on how he's feeling. But guess what? We have to be in the car at 7.30 to get them to school, right? So that's so that doesn't bode well when, you know, you've got about a two-hour swing. So um, the weekends, you know, we, we've gotten better as far as getting them within an hour of what their usual bedtime is. But, you know, just to account for maybe visiting the family, doing doing other things social-wise, um, watching maybe watching a, a movie, um, in the evening, something like that, you know, just to kind of relax and unload a little bit. Um, but the weekends, I mean, ideally should not vary that much from what you do on the weekday. Again, it is a part of establishing that routine that gets your brain and body synchronized to what's going to be best for you when it, when it comes to, okay, are you a morning person? Or are you the late morning person when it comes to when you're going to function, when you're going to function best? Um, and we kind of already talked about that. Well, I already talked about it a little bit regarding <laughs> regarding blue light. But this is one of those hidden things that kind of makes and breaks, you know, the quality of sleep. Mm -hmm. And blue light is, is, you know, when you're thinking about that, what is what does blue light do? It's it stimulates being awake. And so when you're on your phone and you're looking at all those things and there's blue mm -hmm. lights there, you're stimulating your brain. To, even though it's your time to unwind, you know, blue light is actually telling you something different. So you're kind of playing this tug of war with your brain. And so that's why you want to avoid it at night because that will disrupt how you sleep. And if you're really tired in the morning, you know, in this article, you know, Dr. Brigger says, listen, get on the blue light because it will stimulate you being more awake. So maybe in the morning, that's the time right when you wake up, if you want to try to wake up and you're feeling pretty groggy and, you know, you've got a case of the Mondays, as she says, or, you know, you feel, feel like, you know, you're just not, not there. It can actually be used for a benefit. It's just, you need to use it at the right time. And before bed is not yeah. it. And so, you yeah. know, I, I found again, the top five that she gave us just to recap was the, you know, what, Plan your, your peak training sessions based on when you are performing at your highest level. And it doesn't even have to be training. It can be when you need to perform at your highest, whether it's at your job or you're planning a meeting or a presentation, you know, things that where you really need to be awake and on, that's your on time. Plan your eating schedule around the time that fits best with your chronotype. Number three, sleep schedule. Plan your sleep schedule accordingly. If you know what time you should go to bed, plan 90 minutes before to get yourself into that regimen and routine. So therefore, you know, you're in bed and ready to go to sleep at that time. Four was, as you said, don't disrupt your weekends. You know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And we've said that multiple times. So try to think about staying on a routine. And um, especially if you have children, it's only going to help you on Monday morning. And then last is, you know, when necessary, use blue light, but know when that time is for you. Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing about blue light, one more thing is that even though you've got all the lights turned off and all you've got is your phone, just, just you, this 
phone screen just shining on your face, I mean, you don't realize that it's still sending a signal to your brain like, oh, it's daylight out, right? Don't be confused. The fact that the room is dark and you've got this little device that's flashing that blue light at you, it's still, the brain doesn't know the difference, right? So that's been, that's been one of the really big behaviors that I look at when it comes to helping clients, you know, manage and protect sleep is just that, that blue light. It, like you said, it, it makes or breaks you. It's just, are you using it as a, as a tool or is it, as it kind of working against you as a weapon? So I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how to, I don't know how else to say. I mean, it's, I don't know if I would have put it like quite like that, it's, but it's a friend it. or a foe. Yeah, it just depends <laughs> on how, how you're, you're looking at things. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, and, and where we found it, again, if you guys go to NASM.org and look under the blog, you're going to see what we're talking about. Um, do you have the actual blog name, Ken? Uh, no. Okay, because it was like how to find your chronotype. Um, I think that I was... I think that the, they should the, be, they'll be able to find it under that. Yeah, and like I said, again, Dr. Allison Brager, we want to say thank you, first of all, for, you know, being able to write such an amazing blog. And, and uh, you know, and that's how we actually came up with this podcast and hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much as, as Ken and I. I learned a ton. But like I said, inside that blog, I, I, I really suggest everyone go to the blogs and read all of them because they're all, you know, has some great content in there. But look at that one particular website that she has. Find out what your number is and um, and then be able to, to use that. Like I said, the top five that we just told you that she had talked about in there. Use those to your advantage you know, help yourself throughout the day by, by just knowing when should you go to bed? When should you wake up? And that's basically because yeah. of your biological clock, not because someone told you to. <laughs> right. That's as good a summary as we're going to get. So, <laughs> so for those of you listening to us here on Random Fit, both uh, Wendy Bats and I, we always have fun doing the, well, I have fun at least Wendy. I have fun. I have, I have a good time. So if you want to hear more from us on topics related to random fitness, uh, like, follow, subscribe, and comment, and let us know what you'd like to hear, and uh, we'll be sure to get that on the next episode or one of the upcoming episodes of Random Fit. So until next time, everybody, take care and be well.